Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Amen. It is fitting that our text today begins with the beginning of all things, since today we are going to baptize two people, Avery and Aiden who are at the beginning of their Christian life. And I know these two pretty well because Avery attends St. Michael's Episcopal Day School, so I've been thinking a lot this week about how we begin chapel every single week here at St. Michael's. And it begins about 9.25, I go and I knock on all the teachers' doors and I say it's about time for chapel. And all of my youngest friends between the ages of about 18 months and five years get in a long line, and we process from the education wing up through the hallway, singing a song at the top of our lungs, clapping mostly in rhythm. (laughs) And then we come into the sanctuary where I will have taken all the cushions off of the altar, and I'll have made a big circle right here so that everyone can find a seat on the cushion. And then I look at all of them and I ask, what is the first thing we do in chapel? And I'm holding a pretty big clue in my hands because I'm holding that candle lighter that's tucked back there and it's a pretty big candle lighter. And so all the kids together shout, we light the candles. And so as I light these two candles right here on the altar, just as we have every Sunday, I ask them, why? Why do we light the candles? And there are two reasons I've tried to teach. And the first is this, that Jesus is the light of the world. And the second reason is that no matter how sad or mad or gloomy or dark you may feel, God is always with you. And this idea that Jesus is the light of the world comes directly from our gospel text today, the light that shines in the darkness. And this light is the word. And the word is Jesus. And yet, this notion of God as light and this sense that darkness is something that will never overcome God, this is kind of a biblical twist that's happening, a sort of theological turn. Because until now, God has been particularly present to the people of Israel in light, yes, and in darkness. Our gospel passage lands with the law being given to Moses. And this refers to one of the most dramatic stories in all of scripture. 
Moses has been told by God that God has something really important to tell Moses. And so all the people have to ready themselves. They have to purify themselves. They have to be ready to receive this word. And just at the moment when the festival is ready and everyone has been purified to receive this word, a raging storm cloud descends. And snows that he is supposed to climb the mountain, Mount Sinai, to receive this word from God, but this dark, raging storm has settled over the mountain. The air is ringing with thunder and roaring with wind, and the only light comes from lightning. And into this darkness, Moses ascends the mountain and receives the law from God. Fourth century theologian Gregory of Nyssa calls this moment the dazzling darkness. 21st century theologian Sarah Coakley makes the claim that if we want to truly know God, especially in this day and age when knowledge is so readily available to us at our fingertips in a world so illumined by information, we have to become like Moses. We have to step into the dazzling darkness of God. We must surrender our notions of safety, of the understandable, of the explicable, the confinable, and the controllable. And we have to recognize God is God. God will do what God will do. And what we understand of God is only a sliver of lightning in the dazzling, mysterious darkness of God. And in this Christmas season, the dazzling mystery of God does not come to us as a raging storm cloud, but as a vulnerable baby. A baby born homeless, born to parents who would soon have to flee their home country to a foreign land, Egypt, to spare their child the wrath of a tyrant, Herod. A baby who would be born in much the same way that Aiden and Avery were born. A baby who will grow up to be a child much like them. A child with emotions and sicknesses and temper tantrums and quiet observation. A child born to parents who will have to change his diaper, kiss his scraped knees. The incarnation of God in Jesus is a dazzling thing to try and comprehend. And I'm not sure the point is that we try and comprehend it. I don't know why God would choose this way to reveal God's love for us except for the words that God gives for God so loves this world that God gives God's only begotten Son not to condemn this world, but to show us that here, even here with our scraped knees and temper tantrums, even here, God is with us and God loves us. This love of God is a free gift for everyone. But God does ask specifically for us to gather and to be Jesus' body together on earth, this community that we call the church. And the church is a place where everyone is welcome, always and unconditionally.
And the love of God is for everyone, always and unconditionally. But baptism does mark a change. Baptism does not make us more beloved by God or more worthy of God's love, but it changes our relationship with the church. Baptism takes the church from being a place where we are an unconditionally welcomed guest to a place where we are home. It is the difference between being a tenderly looked after guest and a wanted, tenderly looked after adopted child. And when the church is your home and you are no longer the guest, the responsibilities change. And I wonder if we are thinking about guests who may have been in our home this past week. Because when you're home, you don't get to leave that pile of dirty dishes on the table for the host to clean up later. When you're home, you don't get to notice a sagging door frame and say, oh, someone else will take care of it. Aiden and Avery, the church is now your holy mess too. And you are so young that I hardly expect you to sweep the floors or notice door frames today. But in metaphor and in reality, you are being charged with the gift and the responsibility of a Christian life, of a life that dwells with God in light and in dazzling darkness, a life with a God who saw fit to be born in a barn. The idea that darkness will never overcome the light of God is not saying that God is only present when things are clear and light and easy. God is with you on your darkest days. And sometimes God will ask you to be brave enough to climb a mountain in the middle of a storm. Because even there, God is with you. And baptism is not impenetrable armor against the forces of wickedness that we're all about to renounce together, but baptism is a lifelong, ironclad promise when it feels like the darkness will choke us, when all the reasons we may be sad or mad or gloomy or having a dark day, when all of those things obscure the light, God is with you, and God cannot be overcome by anything or anybody because God has called you home. God will kiss your scraped knees and listen to your temper tantrums. God comes to us in raging storm clouds and as a vulnerable, impoverished baby and as light dancing in candles on the altar. And baptism is also that moment when this dazzling God says, yes. You, come home. And this is the moment, too, when we, all of us, brothers and sisters and siblings, say, yes, we're home with you, too. Amen.